0: The end of the year is fast approaching, and this year the Cood Street podcast is doing something a little different. We're inviting, inviting 24 creators of some of this year's best and most interesting books to join us for 10 minutes or so to talk about what they're reading now, their favorite holiday reads, what they had out this year, and what they've got coming out in the year ahead. It's a Cood Street advent calendar, if that's your thing, or just a run-up to the holidays for book lovers. Today I'm joined by the fabulous Kelly Barnhill. Hello, Kelly!
1: Hi, Jonathan. Nice to see you.
0: And you? It's been far, far too long. It feels like it's been it's been a pandemic since we we were we were in touch. I
1: think correct. I think it's been a whole pandemic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I think the last time we spoke was when we were doing the Cooge Street Ten Minutes With Ones, which were back in like May of 2020.
1: Amazing! Amazing. <gasps> I know Long time I can't even like I mean time is so weird right now and uh, yes. uh, I I'm starting to think it doesn't really exist at all uh and uh, and and so something can feel simultaneously five minutes ago and also 500 years ago and how it's is that dumb. possible and yet it's true like that's my <laughs> lived experience right now
0: yeah it's like how was your pandemic it like yes <laughs> yes that's how the pandemic was
1: I, know. I wrote some books during the pandemic. I don't remember. I don't
0: remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, it's like that. I mean, I guess I'd ask. I mean, I remember asking this at the you know when we spoke last. Have you been reading much at all, or is yeah. it one of those things that, that isn't working?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I. A lot during the pandemic, and and um, I read a lot during the pandemic, and then um, uh, so I I suffered a brain injury um, uh, uh, almost a year ago in December, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of people they they have a hard time reading um, uh, in in that aftermath. I actually. Right. Uh, uh, I've been reading when when I can. My eyes don't always work; I get a lot of double vision. But when I when Ooh. I can read, I do. But I found that I started really gravitating to Terry Pratchett, actually, and not because of not because if there's anything special about Terry Pratchett, of course there is, and we love him and we love everything, and and I could reread those books a million times and not be sick of them. Uh, but but specifically because you know those paperback copies, they're very narrow. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the paper size is very narrow and, and for me, um, it was, it was the easiest thing to read, uh, because it didn't aggravate my double vision because it was okay. a few words per line.
0: Um, oh, wow okay.
1: and, and so for, so, and as a result, it has been this Terry Pratchett year for me, um, uh, which has yeah. been actually super wonderful.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So so have any of those stood out any or, it, or would you just su- suggest people you know seek out the, the 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 humor and the decency of the disc world?
1: jeez, the humor and the decency for real. Uh, I mean, you know, the um some of those books I have actually reread um uh have actually returned to more than once just in this particular year. Uh, yeah. uh, because I I couldn't really do screens very well. I couldn't uh, sure, so sure, i can- sure. Really fun, or watching a movie. So I was just reading a lot, and and you know what book I, re- I returned to? Um, I think I, re- I think I read it three times this year. Wow. Um, just because you know, you it's just it was sort of like a comfort, you know. Yeah. was my first regiment. Um okay. uh, and um, you know, I love that book because you know most of his books they start out with some kind of uh uh you know sort of philosophical conceit, you know, some kind of little like not of thinking that starts yes. at the beginning, that, that just gets unraveled throughout, yes. um, and uh, And it's one of those books that, you know, uh, it, it, it isn't a, a watch book, but it does have our, our beloved Vimes uh, yes. at the beginning, who is a, a Duke now, an, a reluctant Duke and a reluctant um, ambassador and diplomat um, uh, who is trying to stop a war and he's yeah. hardly in the book you see him at the beginning and you see him at the end and at the beginning of the book he's having this conversation where he's asking you know some underling some fawning underling who like hates it that he has to fawn on this you know working yeah. class guy you know uh, uh and he's and he's wondering if a group of people can go insane yeah. uh that if, if, the, if the as a group they have all lost their minds but they're Com- but they are comprised of individuals who are all perfectly sane, right? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. you know, get the crops in on time. They, um, uh, uh milk the cows. They t- care for their children. They care for their spouses. They show up at whatever, you know, they, they show up when their neighbor, you know, loses their barn or whatever. Uh, and as a group, they're freaking nuts.
0: <laughs> you
1: know and, you know with everything that has gone on like I have found that conversation to be deeply comforting uh and um and just everything about that book to be deeply comforting um uh, not only sort of the sort of unpacking of gender but also um uh looking at what happens to you know people who have been pushed onto the margins when they actually you know, end up in p- places of power, they end up doing the same thing, you know? He had insight into things that he had no right to have insight into. <laughs> uh, that for him as this, you know, sort of like affable, um, uh, comfortable man in wherever he lived in, you know, in his nice little like, village and whatever, like here he was writing this and, and to be able to, I mean, he he writes women better than he has a right to write them. I feel yeah.
0: like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in some, way, in some way. ways the, the, the anger and the decency and the empathy and the awareness of women's rights mm-hmm. and Pratchett segues nicely into the next question that we have really, which is what you had out this year because you had not won, but in a vast torrent of prolificity took yeah. this year.
1: It was a weird year for me. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I had two books come out this year within, uh, actually within two months of each other, which is, um, I don't recommend that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> not an idea to have that occur, but here we are. And uh, so I had um, uh, a middle grade novel called The Ogress and the Orphan, uh, which is a book I wrote by accident. And mm-hmm. then I had another book uh, which was originally supposed to be a short story for you uh, that went wildly out of control uh, and uh, also a book I wrote by accident. And that was called When Women Were Dragons. Um, So I had a a middle grade book and a grown up book coming out. And so it was like these and two different publishers and two very different sides of me. And actually ways in which they were written. Um, uh, and yet, you know, in some ways, um, uh, um, coming from that same kind of wounded cry that I think a lot of us have been making, yeah. you know, is there, um, is there still kindness in the world? Is there still decency in the world? Um, uh, you know, are we, um, are we still going to care for our neighbors? Are we still going to be able to, um, uh, be the person that we know we're meant yeah. to be, right? Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: certainly. I mean, when women were dragons, I mean, really came out of a moment of intense awareness of anger about inequality, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and this, uh, and this, this, uh, this right to autonomy, right? Um, yeah. uh, which is something that we really take have taken for granted. I, I know, I certainly have. Yeah. And and to um, uh, and to be facing this um, uh, this future that of course we were told that we were being hysterical right we were told yeah, that yeah. like oh, no, no no this isn't going to happen you're being ridiculous right mm-hmm. uh, uh, and um, uh, but to be able to see this path that we are on so very clearly uh, that. Um, uh, uh, that the um, that the right to autonomy and the right to self determination uh, were yeah. likely going to go away, and and the the rage that I felt, the anger that I felt, uh, was so visceral. Uh, That I just thought I'm just going to sit down and write a short story for you, Jonathan Strand, uh, (laughs) uh, about a bunch of 1950s housewives who turn into dragons and eat their husbands. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. I was like turning into a supernova in my minivan, right? And and of course, that that ended up not really being what it was about. Um, You know, rage is a funny thing. Uh, because we don't stay there, right? Yeah. It's an important thing that I feel like a lot of times um, uh, uh, we kind of socialize women to not experience rage, to not feel rage, sure. uh, because no one can love an angry woman, right? You know, it's like how we yeah. raise girls for some freaking reason. I don't know why. And um, yeah. But rage is actually really important because it's it clarifies. You know, it's like a refining fire, Right. And uh, um, and so so really, you know, began as a book about rage and it became a book about memory and trauma uh, and also, you know, uh, ladies turning into dragons and stuff. So
0: (laughs) did it feel strange having that book come out in this year?
1: Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what the um, my publication day was the day that the um, uh, Dobbs decision was leaked. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that, uh, was, that was so i I dedicated the book to christine blasey Ford um uh because I started it during her testimony uh and uh, um uh and yeah uh, you know, she which is interesting because again, again, you know here I thought I was writing this book about rage, but what she was talking about in her testimony was about memory and trauma um. Yeah, yeah. And, and, Uh, And and also, you know, how these um, singular um, uh, traumatic moments can um, uh, disrupt how we interact with our with the world and with ourselves and uh, with everything else, you know, sort of like throughout our lives. And um, and and so it's interesting that that it was her testimony that triggered the narrative and um, that I thought was going in one way, but it really ended up looping again back to what she was Bringing up in the uh, in her testimony in ways that I didn't really uh, attempt to do or really expect yeah. or see myself doing, but there it was. So yeah, and
0: <clears throat> do you see echoes of that in the Ogress and the Orphans? Because superficially, it's quite a different book.
1: Oh yes, it's a very different book. Uh, and uh, uh, but yeah, for sure. Because I mean, again, um, uh, you know the way in which. You know, a, a group of people's rights can be taken away, but also the way in which a group of people can be duped or um, uh, or or gaslit. Right, um, uh, or, um, or 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 even um, uh, uh, you know, in the in the case of like you know, sort of like a kleptocratic kind of you know situation, which is what we have in in this book, um, uh, uh, that people are made to feel very good about themselves, very good about being in the in crowd, and aren't you so glad you can focus on this one you know charismatic and glorious leader? By by associating myself with with this thing, even though like I'm not getting anything from it, but I can feel sort of like superior, right? um, uh, because I am through my slavish devotion to this you know this individual, which of course is how fascism works, right? Uh, and um, uh, and how we just keep on getting ourselves into the same stupid trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and and not just like I mean you know and um you know we I remember reading reading this this was a long time ago a letter that um Eleanor Roosevelt wrote to uh, a dear friend of hers um uh, because she was seeing that same uh, yearning for a strong man in the United States and um uh, and she was deeply concerned that the that the um. Uh, all of the materials were there. All of the um, uh, uh, the characteristics were there uh, in the United States that could lead us to what she called uh, European style fascism. Um, and um, uh, and turns out it has never been you know limited to Europe. And also um, I think that you know we are seeing those same kind mm. of characteristics. Very again. much. Very much. And, and we're seeing them actually coming to fruition in places yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, Russia and Hungary and other places yeah,
0: too. Yeah. And, and so you write these two books and you've had, frankly, a very difficult year in many ways. Do you have another book coming out in, in, in the year ahead, something to look forward to? Or, or are you just sort of, you know, just going to have to wait, he asks disingenuously.
1: I do. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is another story I wrote by accident. Uh, and. Um, and it was really lovely being able to work with you on it, uh, Jonathan. Yep. Uh, but I have a novella coming out in February. Do you remember the yep. date? Not the date.
0: Do you know uh, what? It's Mid-February, like the 12th or something, I think.
1: Great. Great. Someday in February. A Tuesday, one, one can assume. <laughs> uh, Sorry. The, the, the Crane Husband. Uh, yes. And, and um, you know, it's sometimes referred to as a retelling of The Crane Wife. And I don't actually think of it as a retelling. I think of it more as an echo um or, or maybe even just a conversation uh with uh with the crane wife but again um uh, it um it's uh, it's a, it's a uh, told from the pr- perspective of a 15 year old girl whose uh artist mother uh has fallen in love with a 6 foot tall uh be spectacled and shoes wearing crane uh,
0: <laughs>
1: who, uh comes into their lives and all hell breaks loose so well,
0: it's because i mean i laugh but i mean it's not a a, a funny experience for her because <laughs> her life is spiraling out of control right
1: right right yeah and and so i mean in, in a lot of ways um uh, uh you know it, it is um uh, uh, it's a story about the things that we can't hold on to right um uh sometimes we can't hold on to a place as it used to be sometimes we can't hold on to a family as it used to be sometimes we can't hold on to the future that we thought that we should have yeah. right uh yeah. and um and but it's also uh it's also about the um uh uh about generational trauma and generational abuse uh, as well as um uh the um the consequences of survival right uh, you know, sometimes you know the the best thing we can hope for is just to survive and like and that and that's the thing that matters and 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 that there are um uh uh, uh that we're marked by that and and mm. that's you have to accept right Yeah. Uh, And um, so, yeah, and uh, but I, um, uh, you know, my uh, my mother's family hails from uh, a part of Wisconsin uh, that is the um, uh, uh, it's called the Driftless area. It's a sort of area of Wisconsin with these like sort of ancient remains of mountains that were ground down by time long, long, long ago. And that for whatever reason, the glaciers missed it. Uh, and so um, and so it's this area of these really beautiful bluffs and hardwoods um, but right at the edge of the driftless area that's where the glaciers did come through and so and also like the short like the you know these like huge glacial lakes and and then the silt from that and so it's some of the most productive farmland in the world uh, and and, um, and it's a really beautiful area where the where these um, uh, these bluffs and downs sort of like, give way to this, like, you know, this prairie, this like really thick um, uh, uh, soil uh, that is highly prized. And of course uh, it used to be where all the family farms were, including, including like my like ancestry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, uh, and now it's where it's mostly corporate farming, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The lar- the, the, the individual who owns the most, farmland in America is, um, uh, Bill Gates. Um, uh, uh and he owns a lot of it. <laughs> it's just really shocking how much one. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so, um, and so that, that way, you know, and, and in some ways, you know, becomes a book about, uh, um, uh, kind of the toxicity of nostalgia, you know, nostalgia is yeah. like a drug. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and and uh, um, uh, uh, and, uh, and this sort of um, a disconnection from um, uh, uh, you know sort of where we were anyway. Yeah.
0: That's, that's what it's, you know. <laughs> Let me ask you, the, the final question for for the conversation, is just simply this. And it's okay if you don't. But I mean, we are moving towards the you know the end of the year. The holiday season is almost upon us. I know you've got Thanksgiving first as we as we speak, though not as this comes out. Uh, and so I have to ask you, do you happen to have a favorite holiday story or holiday book? Or oh is that one of those things that...
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. I uh, I reread um, Hell's Moving Castle every December. Uh, yeah. And I don't know why. I, it's yeah. not even particularly holiday-ish, but I, it, for some reason, like, the, you know, we start, how ha- you know, the snow comes down mm-hmm. and... And fires in the fireplace and the tree goes up and we've got cider bubbling on the stove. And for whatever reason, I just want to read Howl's Moving Castle so bad. And so yeah. I do every December. But the other thing that I return to all the time is um, uh, Dylan Thomas's um, Child's Cruiser in Wales. Um, okay. You know, my dad used to read it to us every year um, uh, and, uh, and my kids, just, I have attempted to do this. I'm like, oh, that
0: is <laughs>
1: fine. I will read it by myself and I will just voice it in my head. Um, I, you know, they used to play him reading it on yeah. uh, uh public radio every year, and so yeah. I have again nostalgia oh, so much nostalgia about that one poem. Uh, and um, so that that's my th- those are my two big uh,
0: okay. I, I guess what actually what occurred to me was, do you find enjoying the holidays is a choice? I mean, because you talk about reading books that, that, that come to the, uh, the right you know, time of the year. That. It's like it's a mindset that you're creating for yourself to be enjoying the holidays because yeah. it's a lot of work, there's a lot of stress. A lot of people have very terrible times are you know, at, uh, over the holidays. So do you find there's also a choice in it and going like, I'm going to be in this and enjoy it? Or is it uh, not a time of the year you look forward to?
1: Oh, I absolutely enjoy it. You know, I, I used to have um, uh, this, uh, you know, we all have anxiety dreams, right? Yeah. I used to have this, like, just recurring anxiety dream when the kids were young, um, yeah. uh, uh, always about the holidays. And I would always have it in, like, July. Right. Um, uh, And, you know, it's kind of like those anxiety dreams we had when we were young that like I've come to school and I'm not wearing any pants or. (laughs) Or I, I've come to school and 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 I or I get a call and you're and I'm late for an exam for a class that I forgot I signed up for or whatever you know or I'm like being shoved on stage like okay you're on <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't
1: know what play uh, so I've I've had all of those my whole life but for years when my kids were young I had this recurring anxiety dream where like I wake up as I often did in those years under a pile of children, um, like, you know, all pawing at me and saying, Oh mom, can you believe that it's Christmas already? And you know, and it was always the milk that like that would <laughs> at me every time as the stores are closed, I can't have tea. <laughs> Just terrible. So anyway, but I'll tell you what, I do think that it is that we do choose that enjoyment. We do choose that kind of um, uh, where we just decide, okay, now is when we're going to take a breath. Now is when I'm not going to check my email. Now yeah, is yeah. when I'm turning my phone off and I might have pretend that I've forgotten where I left it. I, now yeah. is when we're going to listen to the same music that we do every year. We're yeah. going to... Um, make the same cookies that we do every year we're going to and of course in in some ways where we are in the world helps with this because it gets like temperature drops of course hold out. Like if we do stuff, we, then we, you know, we get bundled up and, um, uh, we go sledding in the hill on the hill, uh, behind the house, or we put on our skis and we go out onto the frozen lake and like ski around. Uh, and, and, but then, but then that always requires you to come back in and come back in like this decorated space and um uh and again there's the smells of the of the baking and the cider and everything else and the smell of the pine and the um uh, uh and just everything the all that entire sensory experience yeah, yeah, yeah. uh but I do have one of my children is like a big christmas kid right mm-hmm, always
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah
1: And so, even if I did start to like myself, start to like be like, uh, it's impossible when you
0: have (laughs) yeah, yeah, I know what you
1: mean. So very much, who is just like in this constant state of joy and insists that everyone else is too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's it's it's a good thing to have. Well, look, first of all, a very happy holidays to you and your family, and thank you so very much for joining us today
1: for having me. I really enjoy I really loved it.
0: Me too, okay.